Okay, we are learning Daftas. <coughs> We're starting right from the fresh Mishnah. So the Mishnah says as follows. In Kloshishin, that we don't have to suspect, Shemagira Chulda Mivais the Vais, that perhaps a weasel drags something from one home to another home. So meaning a person already did a bajika on one home, but he didn't do a bajika on his other house. So maybe the fact that he didn't do a bajika on his other house messes up the house that he did do a bajika on because we have to be suspicious that some sort of rodent would, would, would find some chametz in the unchecked house and bring it along with him, schlep it along with him, drag it along and bring it into the house he already did a bedikah on. And maybe you have to recheck the house that you already did a bedikah on. So the mission is telling you that you don't have to be suspect for such a thing. You don't have to do another bedikah once you did a bedikah. Even though you still have an unchecked house, you don't have to be nervous that maybe the rodent here, the weasel, drags some chametz from the house to house. And you don't even have to be choshesh from one place to another, meaning even within one house, if you have one area that you want to pre-check, <coughs> you don't have to be nervous, oh, that area can't be pre-checked in the head of another one, because maybe a rodent will move some chametz from the unchecked part to the checked part. What's the reason why? Not because, it sounds like from the Mishnah, not because we can just easily dismiss the possibility. The possibility does exist. The Mishnah says a very interesting concept. Diem Cain, because if there was really such a suspicion, even if you checked an entire courtyard, as long as there was another courtyard that was unchecked, you would have to wonder also, maybe a rodent brought from the unchecked chatzar and schlepped the bread into the checked chatzar and it messes up your badika. And even moreover, if you have an entire city which was checked, if there's another city near it which wasn't checked, then maybe you have to be that a chulda brought it from one city to another. And if so, and if you're going to come along and say, okay, that's it, right? That we can never really, everyone will have to synchronize their bedikas chametz and do their bedikas chametz all at the same time. Because really, it would be like that. There really would be a chashash. What's the answer? In la sof. There would be no end to it. In la sof. So in la sof, the fact that there would be no end to it, is a tool, and this is an interesting concept in the, in the, in, in the realm of suspicion. In la sof is a tool that we use to prove that it must be that there is no suspicion. We have to be lenient. We can, we, Chazal must not require us to go to such measures because if they would, in la sof. And now the Eilat of herself, there's not even a makam to be machmer in my own house and say, don't check, you know, one house, one room ahead of the other room. The fact that if I would be choshish, that the weasel would move it from one room to the other room, would move it, I have to be choshish from one house to the other house, from courtyard to courtyard, from city to city. And that's definitely impossible because Eilat of herself. So that brings me to the conclusion that I actually don't have to be nervous at all that the weasel will move some chametz from one place that was, che- that was not checked to a place that was already checked. So that's the din of the Mishnah. The mi- mm-hmm. If we were Hoshish, what would we have to do? You'd have to recheck. So like, would you just go back and forth to the Yeah, I suppose. You'd have to synchronize. You can make a shliach. You can make a shliach. You can make an agent. So perhaps you would have to synchronize that people are doing the bedika at the same time. And the Mishnah is telling you that you don't have to. Okay. So that's the Chiddush of the Mishnah. We, well, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be worried that a rodent will schlep chametz from one place to another. So the Gemara says, it sounds like from the Mishnah, Taimla Delo Chazina. The reason why we don't have to be Choshish is because we didn't see, right? We're wondering, okay, you check this area of the house, maybe a, a, a weasel came from and, and, and brought some chametz from the area of the house which was checked, and it brought it here. And the Mishnah is saying you don't have to. The reason is because you didn't see it, so you can be lenient. Chazina de Shakal had, let's say, we seen with our own eyes that a weasel took chametz from the unchecked part. And we don't know what he did with it. But we see a weasel taking bread from the bread basket. 
then Chayshinon, we would be suspicious that he would bring it over to the unchecked area, to the checked area rather. Ubaybadika, and you would have to recheck it. But the mission is lenient because you don't have to be worried that a weasel would take bread from the from the part that wasn't checked. But if you saw a weasel took bread and you don't know what he did with it, the Mishnah implies you do have to be nervous that he brought it to the checked area and it would require another bedika. Says the Gemara, Vamai, even if you saw the weasel take it, Nema why can't you just assume that if a weasel takes bread, he ate it up? So even if you saw him take bread out of the bread basket in the, un, in the, in, in the unchecked area, he probably had it for lunch. He's not going to bring it into the, into the checked area and leave around a significant piece of bread. No way. He probably ate it. Where do we see that we can rely on such a concept? Milo tonight, Domin doesn't say, he says, Madura's Akum Tameim. So just a one, one introduction. All stillborn babies, at least Madura Banan, on some level, of, from non-Jewish uh, parents, are have Tuma to them. So as long as it was a fetus that was 40 days old, and then it was a stillborn or a miscarriage or something like that, then, the, that, then that fetus can, can, gives Tuma. So any place, any residence, of a guy, you will automatically have to assume that there might be a stillborn baby buried somewhere there, and you have to assume that the residence is Tame. And what it requires you to do is you'd have to do a bedika, a checking, throughout the whole premise to make sure that there's no stillborn baby. How long do you have to assume? How long does it take for the guy to be there but for, in order for this chashash to kick in? If he's just there, you know, overnight, you're not going to be scared that he buried a stillborn baby. So the answer is our bomb yom for 40 days. 40 days is the minimum for a creation of a child, for a fetus to form. So we assume that if he was there for 40 days, that we have to be choshesh, that maybe there was a fetus that was formed that was buried in the house. Not only if he's married, even if he's not married, the guyim are so promiscuous that who knows who they have, if they're living with someone that's not a wife, we don't even know, it doesn't matter. We have to be concerned that maybe there's, there is a stillborn baby buried in the home. Then we add, But if it's a place where there are animals that come around all the time, you have weasels, you have pigs, everyone wants walking around here all the time, so then it doesn't require a bedika. You can rely on what? You can rely on the assumption that even if there was a stillborn baby, it certainly was eaten up by the animal. So we have a kasha. Here we seem to say that we're not choshish that a weasel took bread out of the basket because we don't have to be choshish that he did. But if you would see the weasel take bread out of the basket, you would now have to recheck all the areas of the house because maybe the weasel dragged it there. Why? Don't I see from over there that we assume that the weasel will just eat up the dead, the dead baby? So to here, we should assume that the weasel will eat up the hummocks. What's the difference between eating up the dead baby or eating up the hummocks? So the Gemara answers, Amar Abzeira lo kasha. Haba basar, haba lechem. Timitzias, the weasels prefer meat over bread. Bibbasar lo mashaya. There's no way that the rodent would leave over any meat. If he's going to get, find the stillborn baby, then the rodent will certainly consume it, all of it. But lechem, but in regard to bread, mishaya, they're not as interested in the bread. So if he, the weasel took the bread out of the basket, we have to be concerned that instead of eating it all up, he schlepped it to the checked area, and therefore it would, it would necessitate another bedika. That's the first approach of Rabzeir. Rabzeir is making a chiluk in practicality between the rodent's preference to meat over the, the rodent's preference to bread. Rava has a very different approach. Very lumdish approach. Amar Rava. Hi, my. What is your comparison? Bishlam Hasam. Bishlam in the case of the stillborn baby. I don't know for sure that there was a stillborn baby. Amar Hava. Amar Lo Hava. Maybe it was there. Maybe that it wasn't there. Vim Tim Salomar Hava. 
And even if it was there, it's possible that the weasel took it. So therefore, you have two different things to rely on. Maybe the baby wasn't there, and even if it was there, maybe it was consumed. But in our case, if you would actually observe that the rodent took the bread out of the basket, who says, who says he ate it? So in other words, you only have one element of doubt. In that case, you have two elements of doubt. You don't know if the baby was there, and even if the baby was there, maybe the rodent consumed it. Here, you have one element of doubt. You saw him take the bread out of the basket. You're wondering, maybe he consumed it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. You only have one element of doubt. So the Gemara says as follows, have a suffix uvadai. So you're dealing with on one side of the scale is a suffix. Maybe the rodent ate it. On the other side of the scale is a vadai, meaning there is certainty that you were dealing with a presence of bread. The ain suffix motzi mide vadai. The Gemara gives a very lumdish term for this. If you're dealing with a vadai presence of bread and a suffix that maybe the rodent consumed it, ain suffix can, can a suffix cannot be motzi mide vadai, and you definitely have to wonder that perhaps. Uh, the bread is still around. Now, this concept of the Ein Safek Motsi Vadai means, the Rishonim explain, even if the Safek is a very, very, very strong possibility, like it's very normal, Rav is taking that it's very normal for bread to be consumed by a rodent when he takes it out of the bread basket. It's very normal, very probable. But the bottom line is, you were dealing with a Vadai presence of bread in the weasel's mouth. And only a suffix about whether or not he consumed it. So this principle, this new principle, very few times that it applies here in Shas that it's used, says, ain't suffix motzi mi and you cannot rely on the probable, probable answer that the, the weasel ate it. So in the case of the stillborn baby, the reason why we rely that the weasel ate it is because we're not sure to begin with, we're not positive to begin with that there was a stillborn baby. We're just choshish. We wonder, it's likely that there was. Likely there was, but possible it wasn't. So then we can rely that even if there was, the weasel consumed it. But here, where there's a, if, you, if there would be a vada scene where the weasel has the bread, we see him take it out of the bread basket, you would have to be suspicious that he did not consume it and that he rather brought it to the other side of the house. So now the Gemara moves on to other cases where we want to apply ain't suffix motzi vada. If anybody's wondering this, and this is a good question, why do we ever say rof, right? Why do we ever rely on the principle of majority? Why don't we kick in a principle of ain't suffix motzi vada? It sounds like here, and Toso speaks out, that it, most of the time the weasel will eat it. There really is a rove that most of the time the reason will we'll eat it. But what we're still saying is, if there was a vadai that there was bread, and only a suffix whether he ate it, even though it's more probable that he did than he didn't, we still don't say that you could rely on that rope. We still say that you have to be choshish that the chametz is on the other side of the house. So it's very tricky. This new rule, this can of worms here, ain't suffik motzi mide vadai. It's very hard to apply. We're saying here, once there's a vadai presence of bread, we have to be nervous that maybe the bread is on the other side of the house, despite the fact that the more prob- if you had to bet on what, whether it's there or not, you would bet that it is not, because it is more probable that the weasel did eat it. So it's a tricky rule, and we'll see what the Gemara compares it to. Kind of, kind of, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, but we're not learning Choshim Mishpat. Very good, very good. But we're not learning Choshim Mishpat. We're by, no, and in a good way. We're by Vashemah, the types of Svaras apply. We're dealing with what you would, you know, bet your, bet your money on. But I think you're hitting on, you're hitting the right answer. The, the, there's no bet some type of rove. This is probably called something rove hatali b'maisa, which is just more likely that happened. But not that there's anything built in that way. That might be a good answer. So let's see the Gemara's, what the Gemara now compares it to. The Ain't Savagamotsi Devada, the Gemara challenges this rule. Is it, is it really true about Tanya? It says in a Brisa. 
Chavar Shemetz, you have a Tamar Chacham who passes away. Vinicham Megura Malaya Paris. He leaves a huge warehouse that's filled of fruits. I feel him b'nei yoman. Even if he just harvested them today, so you don't know. The, let's say all the inheritors come along, all the heirs come, and they don't know whether or not trimas and maestros have been taken off. Even if they're fresh fruits, you can assume that the father, the deceased parent, the chaver, the tamachacham, already fixed them and took off trimas and maestros, and you could eat them without tithing further. So the Gemara says, why is that? I guess because it's probable that he did, right? That's the, 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 he'll take care of the mitzvah as soon as he can. So you can rely that it's more probable that he took off than he didn't. So But you're dealing with a certainty that the fruits are tevel. Hani piri. These fruits are certainly tevel. It's only a suffix whether or not they were tithed. It's probable that they were, but ultimately it's not a for sure, it's not certain. And still, what are we saying? We're saying that the suffix, the probable suffix, could extract from the vadai status of before. The status before is that it was certainly tevel. You have probable cause, you know, probably it makes sense that they were, they were fixed and we're relying on that probability. So, so to here. Why don't we say that even though there was vadai bread, but you should rely on the, what's very likely, and probable that the weasel ate it and consumed it all. So it's the Gemara, Hatsam, Vadai Uvadai. It's not true that over there it's only a suffix whether or not the Chavar did it. There it's actually absolutely certain that he did. Why? It's more than just a suffix, a probability. There's a chazaka. Chazaka means an underlying assumption, like a deep, Intrinsic assumption that we can make about, about Tamid Chachamim. Tamid Chachamim certainly would not pass away and leave fruits that belong to them untithed. It's for sure the first thing he does, as soon as he makes the harvest, as soon as he finishes off smoothing the pile when it comes obligated, the first thing that he's going to do immediately is take care of the mitzvah. It's like, you know, meeting a huge tzaddik on the street, and it's 8.30, and it's asking him if he said shema. It's not like a suffix if he did or he didn't, and you're saying, oh, it's likely or not likely. Of course he did. That should be your response. So, so too here, it's of course that the fruits were already tithed. It's not that we have a suffix, a likely probability that's being mozi from the vadai tevel. It's an absolute certainty that's being mozi from the certainty of tevel, and that's not a good comparison to the rodent consuming the bread. Says the Gemara, second answer, a very creative answer. Suffolk for suffolk. It's, it's actually not certain that the fruits were ever tevel. Now, what does that mean? Fruits have to be tevel, right? As soon as you smooth the pile, you finish their processing, so then they become tevel, right? Says the Gemara, no. Actually, it's not certain. A person can play tricks. You can theoretically circumvent the need to take off trim. How could you do it? The Torah says that the obligation to take off trimmas and maestros is not only when you smooth a pile and you finish processing it, but it's also when it is roa pine habayas. That comes from the term that we see from the Pasuk. It sees the, the kernel, the grain, it sees the face of the home. So if a person wants to make games and not take off trimmas and maestros, what you do is machmisa b'motshala. You bring in the kernels while they're still in their shaft. And then it comes out that the kernels never saw the face of the home because they were in the shaft when they were brought into the home. So the kernels themselves were never exposed to the face of the home. So you bring it in the home and then you turn your, gra- you turn your house into a production, into a production area, and you remove
remove the shaft inside your house, and one will come out that the grain, the kernels, actually were never raw up in Ahabias. Now, nine out of ten times, you wouldn't want to do this, right? It's not like the best solution, because who wants to start producing things in their house? Obviously, the more normal thing to do is take off the shaft outside and then bring in the kernels inside. That's obviously what's more normal. But what the Gemara is saying is that theoretically, the possibility exists. Uh, and you can do that. And now, even if you do do that, and you take away the, the it's before the time of Tevel, that doesn't mean you're not, you, you are not supposed to eat a permanent thing before Tevel. And the only thing it would allow you to do is, it would just allow your animals to eat, because you're, even before the time of Tevel sets in, you shouldn't be eating a lot. Upturamanamaiser would be exempt from Maiser. So what's the Gemara saying? What the Gemara is saying is, it's actually not certain that the fruits were ever Tevel. Since there is a possible way of circumventing the need for Trimus and Maisers and making sure that it doesn't become Tevel, we cannot be convinced with absolute certainty that they started out as Tevel. Now, is it more likely that it's Tevel? Of course. But it's also more likely that if it was Tevel, he tithed. The only time we say ain't safik mutsimidevadai is when it's certain that it was Aser and a suffix of whether it changed. But if it's not absolutely certain that it once was Aser, then for sure you can rely on a likely change. So initially we thought it was certainly Tevel, just likely that the Tamil Chacham fixed it. So we thought we had a case of Ein Saving Moshe Medevadeh. The Gemara is answering that no. In the second answer, the Gemara is saying it's possible that it was actually never a Vadai, that it was Tevel. So now going back to our case, we have defended ourselves from all the questions. Now going back to our case with Chametz. The Mishnah says you don't have to be nervous that the weasel dragged Chametz from a place that you didn't check to a place that you did check. Says the Gemara, it's mashma only because you didn't see the weasel go for the bread basket. If you saw a weasel take bread out of the bread basket, you would have to be suspicious that maybe the bread ended up on the other side of the house that was checked. Said them, we're explaining the reason is, even though it's likely that the weasel consumed it, according to Rava, the answer is, in Suffolk, Motsi, Midevadai, once there was a Vade presence of bread, the likely possibility that he consumed it is not enough to take away our suspicions. Says the Gemara again, another question. Shell Matzik Echad Berimon. There's a story with a with a with a servant of a Matzik. A Matzik, Rashi says, is a very like strong, like intimidating person. Uh, he actually was a Jew in a place called Rimon. Sheatila Nefel Babar. That she 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 miscarried, and she put the miscar she put this miscarriage in the sack into a pit. Uva Kohen. Some it seems like a very foolish thing for the Kohen to do, but a Kohen came. He hits his bow. He peeks over the pit. He sticks. He leans over the pit to try to see what the fetus was. What's his, what's his intention here? He wants to know if it was a male or a female. Now, obviously he had an interest in telling the people. I guess he was trying to tell the mother whether it was a male or a female. Why would the mother care if it was a male or a female? So Rashi explains because there's a different time of Tuma and Tahara after having a miscarriage for a boy or a girl. That halacha is not only for a birth where the baby is viable, even for a miscarriage you have those halachas. Whether you're telling me for one week or two weeks, and then whether you have a a time of Tahara afterwards for 33 days or 66 days. So the Kohen is trying to be a good, a good helper here. So he goes to peek over into the pit to check out whether or not the fetus was male or female. Now, what's the issue? The issue is, is that, wait a second, when you're, if you peek over, you might be ma'ahil al-hames. You might be forming a direct tent directly above the, 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 the dead stillborn baby, in which case the Kohen might become tummy. So what happened? When the Chachamim heard about this, and they wanted to know whether the coin was Tameh or Tar, the Tiaruhu. Now, obviously what happened, this is just an interesting thing in the story. It's a little tricky. He didn't see anything. <laughs> he didn't see anything. But it sounds like that in and of itself was not absolute proof, because he may have missed it. 
may have been buried a little bit, you know, maybe buried under a little dirt. He may not have gotten such a good look. So even though he didn't notice it, what's not like evidence that it's not there. Not like for sure. It didn't seem like it was there. But it, it, didn't, it wasn't for sure there. But it's still, we have to be nervous that it was there. So they came into front of the Chachamim. The Chachamim still said he's Tahar. Because you know who hangs out in pits? The weasels. These two types of weasels hang out down there. So therefore what? We could assume that what did they do with it? They got rid of it. Now, remember, if you're going to be tempted to say there's a difference between meat and bread, there's not. Because that was Reb Zera's answer on the whole thing. Rava went, opened this whole can of worms of because Rava does not distinguish between meat and bread. Just remember that. So Vahacha says the Gemara, now it's proved, the Vada Hitila. We know that the woman put the nafil inside of the pit. So there was a Vadai presence of Tuma there. It, it might be likely that it was moved away, but it's not for sure that it was moved away. Uh, then in that moment it wasn't moved away. And we're still saying that the likely possibility that the weasel moved away, the, the, the dead fetus, is able to be mozi from the Vadai that the fetus was there. So we're, we're relying on the fact that the weasel moved away the dead fetus so that the coin who peeks over and stands over the, the, the pit is not becoming tamek. So why is that different than our case? Even if you would see the weasel uh, take uh, bread from the unchecked area, why can't you rely on the likely possibility that he consumed it? So the Gemara says, no, you shouldn't teach the Girsa that she placed her stillborn baby in the barn because that implies that we know there was a baby. The truth was it wasn't like that. She just had like the sack, but she didn't actually look inside of the sack to examine whether there was a fetus inside. There is a concept, remember Sechus Nida, there is a concept of having a sack that is filled Malaya Ruach, fill of the wind. So, or it, there's a concept of the fetus being absolutely so deformed that it might not have a din of a fetus at all, in which case there is no tumma. So, if, unless she had examined the fetus before to know that it was certainly a child, then it actually exists a possibility that this, this sack doesn't have tumma on it. So, it's a suffix to begin with. So, it's a suffix it's a suffix to begin with whether it was a presence of Tomah. So even though it's more likely that there was a baby in the sack than there wasn't, since it's not absolutely certain, and we have the likely possibility that even if it was, the animal moved it away, so those two come together and you don't have to be concerned. But in a Hanavi, if it would be a Vadai, certain day that we know it was a fetus, she checked that there was a fetus inside before she put it in the pit, then you wouldn't say that you could rely that the weasel moved it away. Says the Gemara, Doesn't it say that the coin is checking to, to know if it is a boy or a girl? The implication is clearly there's a fetus. So the Gemara says, This is what it means to say. First of all, this is like it goes without saying. First of all, he's trying to figure out whether there's a fetus there at all or if there's just wind inside of the sack. And then even on the side that it was a nafel, the coin was going to check whether or not it was a zachar or a nakeva. So we have defended ourselves against this case by saying that it wasn't a case of certainty that there was a dead fetus inside of the sack. She is placing in, uh, uh, the sack inside the pit without first checking whether or not there was a baby. So it's not a vadai of tumma, And that's why we can rely that the uh, weasel moved it away. Says the Gemara, or you can answer, really, we know there was a dead body. 
there was a dead fetus inside. Actually, it's not just a likely thing that the weasel moved it away. There it's a vada. Since the, the weasels, they're always hanging around in the pits, they certainly move it away. Even though we're not sure if they eat it all right away, but they certainly move it away right away. So what's the Gemara saying? The Gemara is saying a very tricky mitzvah. Whether it's bread or meat, when again, we're not distinguishing between bread and meat. That was Rav Zera. We hold Rava's not being mechamed between bread and meat. But there's a difference between saying, is it likely that the weasel ate it? And is it likely that the weasel moved it? The likelihood that the weasel moved it away from the pit, that's not just likely. That's certain. It's for sure that if there was a, that stillborn baby is placed in the pit, there is no question beyond a trace of doubt that the weasel moved it away. That's for sure. That's more than a suffix. That's a vada. Do we know that he would consume it all right away? No, it's likely, but not for sure. So in our case, by chametz, let's go back to our case. If you would see the weasel take the bread out of the basket, then since you, since you need to know that the weasel consumed it all right away, as opposed to moving it somewhere else in the house, that's only likely. You can't say it's a vada, he consumed it all right away. Maybe he moved it somewhere else in the house to a storing spot somewhere else where you had already checked. So it's only a suffix. So that's why in suffix most of the vada. Here, my question is not whether the weasel consumed the stillborn baby. My question is whether the stillborn baby is still in the pit, that when the Kohen peeked over, he was being ma'alame. So we say it's a vadai that he moved it away. And since it's a vadai that he moved it away, whether or not he consumed it is irrelevant. The fact is that he moved it away. That's called vadai mochimide vadai. Okay, so we're good. We're at, we're at a good spot. And that's, now that's the end. That's the end of the line of questioning on Rabbah. So going back, we have two approaches to why in our case, uh, in the Mishnah, of, it, when the Mishnah said you don't have to be suspicious that the weasel moved it out of the bread basket. It sounds like if you would notice him taking bread, you would have to be choshesh now that any other area of the house you'd already checked, you have to recheck. Why is that? Don't we normally see that weasels consume stuff? So we have two answers. Either they only conserve meat, but they don't consume bread necessarily. And the second answer of the Gemara, there's no difference between, between, between meat and bread. The difference is that we have a principle of ain't suffolk, motzi midevada. So now the Gemara moves on, Stam, to ask questions on our Mishnah. Is it true that we don't have to be choshesh that the weasel moved it away? In other words, going back, not where you saw it happen. Not where you saw it happen, where you didn't see it happen. Remember, everything we just learned was on an implication of the Mishnah. The Mishnah taught, after you check one part of the house, don't be nervous that you have to recheck it because the unchecked part of the house had a bread basket and maybe a weasel took bread out and moved it here. The Mishnah said, don't be choshesh for that. We had a whole diuk. The implication was, if you saw the weasel take... Then you'd have to be choshe somehow it ended up here and recheck. But now the Gemara is going back to the Iker din of the Mishnah. The Iker din of the Mishnah is if you didn't see any weasel, you checked one part of the house and you didn't check another. You don't have to be nervous that a weasel went to the unchecked part, took bread out of the basket, and moved it here. And the Gemara is going to challenge that from another Mishnah. Okay? In yeah. case, we're not choshe, the weasel will move it. Right. In our right. But in this last proof, we're saying no, Vajai weasel is going to move it. Yes, and, and I think the Gemara is exactly um, 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 picking, pick, pick, picking up on that. I think so. I think so. That's exactly why the Gemara says, I think so. I think exactly that's why the Gemara is saying that way. Rashi says that also. <laughs> okay, very good. 
Is it true that we don't have to be nervous that the weasel took it out of the basket? If you didn't see, you don't have to be nervous. What about the next Mishnah? The Mishnah says, after B'dikas Chametz, right, you have, what do you have? You have 10 pieces of bread. Or, or you at least have, right, uh, breakfast for the next morning. So the Mishnah tells us that you have, the advice is, whatever you're leaving over to eat the next morning, keep it in a very safe place. Because if you don't keep it in a super safe place, then what's going to happen? It's going to make you, it's going to, it's going to cause that you're going to have to do another bidika. So what's the simple shot in the Mishnah? The simple shot in the Mishnah is that if you don't put it in some special stored away place under lock and seal, you know, then you're scared that a weasel will go take some and move it. Exactly against what our Mishnah is saying. Our Mishnah is saying, you don't have to be nervous that a weasel will go and take things out of a basket and move them somewhere else. And only if you saw that such a thing happened would you have a problem. But if you didn't see it, it's not a problem. So why is the Mishnah telling me that after I do B'dikas Chometz, I have to be so careful to put it in a safe place? I, I thought you don't have to be choshish that weasels will come and move things. So why do I have to be so careful to keep it in a safe place? Why can't I just leave it on my dining room table? So the Gemara answers, Rabbi says a fascinating answer. It depends whether it's the 13th or the 14th. Over there in the Mishnah, it's talking about the 14th, after you did the big day of comments. Our Mishnah is saying, if you pre-check something, that's when you don't have to be choshish. What's the difference if it's the 13th or the 14th? The 13th, weasels are still see everybody with bread. There's bread all over the place still. So, Lomatzna, he's not so desperate for bread that he starts going and finding bread to store somewhere else. So he's not, you don't have to be nervous that he found your bread and moved it somewhere else. That's on the 13th. That's our Mishnah. But by our Basar, the next morning, the lo shchicha rifta bati. He sees there's no fresh bread. The weasel senses that Pesach is coming and that there's no bread. So he gets all nervous about his bread supply. Matzna, that's when you have to be suspicious that the weasel will go find your bread and store it away. What a chiddush from Abai. Abai is telling us about the intelligence of weasels. The weasels sense on the 14th that there's less bread than on the 13th. So on the 13th, you don't have to be so careful. And on the 13th, if you check one part of the house and you have another part that's not checked, you don't have to be suspicious that the weasel moves from the checked part to the unchecked part. But on the 14th, if you leave your chametz out, he's going to chop it because he knows that there's a shortage of bread out there. What a fascinating idea from Abai. So Amar Rava, Rava attacks it very quickly. Why are you giving so much belief here in the intelligence of the weasel? Is it a prophet? That no one's baking until tonight. No, that's not happening. And they're going to go look for it and, and store it over and hide it in their, in their hiding places. Come on. There's no way a weasel can sense the difference between the 13th of Nisan and the 14th of Nisan. So we're back to our question. Rava doesn't believe this answer. So how come if our Mishnah says that we don't have to be nervous, that a weasel will move the chametz from a, uh, from, from a non-checked area to a checked area. How come the Mishnah is telling you that after B'dikas chametz, you have to be so careful to put whatever chametz you're saving away in such a safe place? The reason the Mishnah is advising me that after B'dikas chametz to put away my chametz in a private place is because you might, what might happen is the weasel might come in front of your eyes take it away, and then you'll have to be choshish. Because again, our mission was only saying, if you don't see the weasel take it, then you don't have to be concerned. But of course, as the diak was, if you see the weasel take it, you have to be nervous that it ends up in, the, in another part of the house. So what the Mishnah there was advising is that after you finish B'dikas Chametz, don't leave it around, because maybe your eyes will see a chulda go and take bread, 
in which case you will have to recheck the rest of the house. So the better advice, practically, is to just put it away in a safer place. But if you don't see the weasel, take it. Then even if it's the 14th, you don't have to be nervous that, that it got moved and you don't have to recheck your house. Tanya Kavase to Rava Brisa says like this. What does a guy do if he wants to save breakfast for the next morning after Bidikas Chamez? Whatever he leaves over, you should leave it over private, safe place. So that a weasel does not come. The Brisa says like Rava that it will take it in front of our eyes. Which would require Bidika Achrav, another Bidika. But in Achanami, if the weasel, if you don't see the weasel take it, you have no concerns. Says the Gemara, second answer of Mari Omar, very similar type of answer. But he's saying the same point. You don't have to be choshesh at a weasel cane. But what if you leave over 10 pieces of bread and you can wake up the next morning and you see there's only nine. So then you're forced to conclude that the weasel came. Right? You left 10 and now the next morning there's only nine. That would require you to do what? Another bedikas chametz on the entire house. So the smart advice would be put it away in a super safe place so that you don't come to that emergency that tomorrow morning you realize that you only have nine when the night before you left ten. But bestama, in a case where you just have a bread basket and you do not have to be nervous that a weasel would take bread out of the basket and move it to another place. That is the, the, what the Mishnah is telling you. You don't have to be nervous for that because as the Mishnah said, then you'd always be closer to Eim Ladavrasov. So now, once we mention this, now the Gemara is going to move on to a bunch of other cases of Sveikos that can arise with Chametz. Very Gishmaka Sugya that takes us through like a long tour of a lot of Dinam Rov and Chazaka and Savik Rabbana and let's see, very Gishmaka Sugya. Says the mission. Says the Gemara. Let's say you have nine piles of Matzah and one pile of Chametz. Okay, we're talking about uh, before, before Pesach, you've checked parts of your house, you haven't checked parts of your house, and you have most, uh, ten, nine piles of matzah, one pile of chametz. But also, Akbar v'shakal, comes along a Akbar, a mouse, and he takes from one of the piles. And if you, if you saw that he took from the chametz pile, then what would happen? You'd have to recheck your whole house, right? Because again, if you see a weasel take chametz, then for sure you have to check, recheck your whole house, as the implication for the mission was. But here, you don't know which pile he took. There were nine piles of matzah and only one pile of chametz. You don't know which pile he took from. So Rov tells you that which pile did he take from? He took from the matzah, which would mean that you don't have to recheck your house. But if you can't go after Rov, then you have to be nervous that he took from the chametz pile, in which case it would, in which, in, 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 in which would necessitate another bedika. So could you rely on Rov or couldn't you not rely on the Rov? So it's exactly like the law of nine stores. What's like the law of nine stores? If nine stores... They all sell meat. Nine of them, uh, you have 10 stores selling meat. Nine of them sell kosher meat, and one of them sells non-kosher meat. So the halacha is a fascinating halacha. If somebody, if, if somebody um, took meat out of a store, and they can't remember which store it was taken out of, the halacha is, even though nine of the stores are kosher, you cannot assume that it was from the majority of the kosher stores. Why? Because there's a halacha, a big caveat in the din of rope. Whenever something is kavua bimakomo, you cannot apply rov. What does kavua bimakomo mean? It means that something was in its place and it was extracted from its place. The suffix began when the item in question was in its place. So somebody bought store from, bought meat from a butcher store. He doesn't know if it was from the nine kosher ones or from the one trafe one. The suffix originated in its place. The question is which store did the person take the meat out of? 
That's called kavua b'mekomo. We derive from a pasuk in Meseches Ksubos. It's not necessarily logical, but we derive from a pasuk in Meseches Ksubos that you cannot say rov when the suffix originated on an item that was in its place. So, so do here. You have the nine piles that are matzah and one pile that is chametz. If you don't know which pile the weasel, the weasel took it out of, you can't say rove and assume it was the, it was the matzah one because the item in question was in its place when the suffix began. The suffix was chal on the, uh, on the, on the pot, on the, on, on the item when it was in the pile. We're not sure which pile it was in when it was taken out. So that's called kavua and you cannot apply rove. However, if pirish vasa let's say somehow it just, there's one that's lying on the floor. There's 10 piles. And in front of the piles, there's just one random piece, and we don't know what the piece was. And then also Akbar Vashakal, then comes the Akbar and he takes it. So that means the suffix was not Chal when the thing was in its place. The opposite. The suffix was Chal once it was Pirish, once it separated from its home. Hainu Seifa, that's like the end of the Mishnah. If you have the ten stores, nine sell kosher meat and one sells trafe meat. If someone buys from one of them, he can't remember which one he bought from. In the Reisha, the din is that it's Aser. Why can't you go after Rov? Because since the suffix was Kavua b'mekomo, you don't say Rov. However, Uvenimtza, if let's say you just find on the street a piece of meat and you don't know which one originally it came from, Halach Acha HaRov, you could go after Rov. What's the difference between the Reisha and the Seifa? The Reisha is Kavua. The Seifa is Parosh. So the concept is, whenever it's Parosh, you go after Rov. Whenever it's Kavua, you do not. So to here, if the Akbar took it out of the pile, and I don't know which pile he took it from, that's called Kavua. The suffix originated in its spot. And then I cannot apply Rov, and I do have to do another Badikas Chamez. But if it was out of the pile, and then the Akbar took it, and I don't know which pile it originally came from, then I say, you go after Rove, that's like the piece of meat that is found in the street in front of the in front of when all in the market where we have nine kosher stores, and you could assume that the piece was matzah. That's case number one. Case number two. We're going to have a bunch of cases. Case number two. Shnei you have two different piles. One is matzah, one is chametz. In front of the two piles, there are two houses. One which was already checked and one which was not checked. Come along two mice. One takes matzah in his mouth, one takes chametz in his house. You don't know which one he went into. So the best case scenario is that the one who had chametz in his mouth went into the house that wasn't yet checked. And the one that had matzah in his mouth went into the house that was already checked. That would be great. The problem is, it might as well just be the inverse. That the one who has matzah in his mouth went into the non-checked house. And the one who has chametz in his, ha- in his mouth went into the checked house, which would necessitate another bedikas chametz. So could you rely that it happened leniently and everything's fine? Or do you have to be machmer? It's 50-50. Here, there's no rope. It's just straight up 50-50. So the Gemara says, It's like the case of the two boxes. If you have two boxes, one is chulin and one is truma. In front of them are two saws. And the two boxes fell one into the other. So you don't know which box, which one fell into the other. It's possible the truma fell into the truma and the chulin fell into the chulin. But it's also possible that it happened in the inverse and the truma fell into the chulin and it messed everything up. So what is the din? Everything is mutter. She'ani omer. Because I could say, Now, the Gemara will elaborate more upon this on the Yomad Aleph. But for now, suffice it to say that it's like the same thing. You have a pile of matzah and a pile of chametz, and a house that's checked and a house not checked. That was not checked. You're not sure, and both 
weasels come and take a little bit from each and you're not sure which house they went into. So that's exactly a parallel to our case. It's like our case where you have two boxes, one of chulun and one of truma, and then you have a pile of uh, more truma and more chulun here, and something falls into each other. You're not sure if the truma fell into the truma, the chulun, the chulun, or vice versa. You're able to assume leniently that's what happened. Truma felt the truma and chulun, chulun felt the chulun. So to here, we should assume the weasel with the matzah went to the, went to the checked house, and the weasel with the chametz went to the unchecked house. So the Gemara says, no. Emer Darmin and Shani Omer, where could you be lenient on this 50 50 suffix, top of Yudam and Aleph, but Truma Durabanan? You could only say that not on a Truma, that's Truma on a Daraisa level. Like let's say Truma Daraisa level, when the base Hamikdash stood and you have wheat in Hachanami, on a 50 50 suffix, you can't be Mekel, suffix Daraisa Lachumra. We only say that on Truma Durabanan, like Bisman Hazah, where there's no base Hamikdash, you don't have so many Jews in Israel. So then in such a situation as Truma Durabanan, you could be lenient, you could be Mekel, but if you're dealing with chametz, chametz on Pesach is a suffix da'or isa. So the Gemara is saying you can't be lenient just if it's a 50-50 suffix. You don't know which mouse went to which house. You can't be mekel. So the Gemara's response is, You think the need to check your house for chametz is a da'or level? You're right. The restriction against owning chametz is da'or But the need to check your house isn't da'or isa. We learned on Naftalu that if you just want to take care of the issue of having chametz, you make bittel, you nullify it. The need to actually go and find the chametz and destroy it, that's only a dinder abanan. So since that's only a dinder abanan, and here you're not sure whether or not you need another bedika, because you don't know which mouse took what to what house, you could be lenient, just like the case that you could be lenient by truma. So too, this is the case that you could be lenient by Bedikas chametz, you could assume that it all worked out in your favor and that everything's fine. As long as it's a 50-50 suffix, we would say suffix to Rabbanon Lakula and it would not require another bedikas chametz. Shkoyach.